Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. And by request from our Discord server, listen, if you're not over on our Discord server, you really What's need to go check you? out. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, Matthew's been over there. Rodrigo's been over there. Uh, heck, even... Um, even uh, um, now I'm forgetting now I'm forgetting his name. Even Geek Jock Blog, <laughs> even Dan, even Dan is over there in the top five and the Munchkin Land and the gaming uh, uh, discords, chatting it up with everyone. So why aren't you over there? Look, there is a link right in the show notes. So if you've got the ability in your podcast app, you just click on the show notes and there'll be a link. There'll be a URL. You can click on that. It'll open up the Discord app, and you can join in and hang out with all the other guys and girls and uh, cat gifts. And maybe you will also be able to recommend a top five topic, including this week's from the Discord server, top five board games. Now, before Matthew goes, when you say board games, I'm talking about uh, anything you play on the tabletop. Cards, RPGs, uh, regular board games, even chess. You can count as a board game, Matthew. Chess is a board game, Stephen. So there you go. What is your number five? Is it chess? No, I'm not good your, at chess. What is your number five? My number five is a game that everybody hates. And it's a game that I truly love because I grew up with three sisters. And one thing you learn when you grow up with three sisters is that you take your wins where you can get them. And so I would occasionally take my wins in one of the endless meandering games of Monopoly. Because the thing about Monopoly is Monopoly is the when people say I'm playing the long game, they literally mean Monopoly. They oh, I thought playing. they were talking about Risk. No, 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 no. Monopoly can take longer than Risk. I am currently in the middle of a Monopoly game from 1987 with my older sister. But the thing that I really enjoy about a good Monopoly game, and not a bad one, you know, not one where everybody's awful, but a game where people are willing to, you know, wheel and deal and throw around money and just be stupid. The good part of a Monopoly game are the moments where it seems like everything's fine, and then they throw a wrench in it. You know, you pull a chance card, and it's like, chop off your left hand and throw it in your sister's head or something. Well, you've been playing that Topeka card. version of Monopoly. Yeah, well, we play with a lot of house rules. The uh, throw your money in the middle, and then whoever lands on Park Place gets to pull the money out of the middle. I think that's how, uh, when you get a fine, that's how it works, is you do put your money in the that's, middle. That's not and when an you official get out of the... Monopoly rule. Oh, really? Because yeah, I've seen that played by so many people. That's a house you'd, rule. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many things that people think are just in the rules are house rules in Monopoly, because Monopoly doesn't actually function as a game. You <laughs> you have to house rule it. Well, I you, mean... You really kind of do. Yeah. Uh, go back and but, look in the history of Monopoly. If you guys want a, a uh, really fascinating look on what Monopoly was supposed to be and how it got corrupted. Um, man, that is a fascinating deep dive into the history of Monopoly. But my thing about Monopoly, the thing that I really enjoy about it is that as I age, and we've discussed this, my red-green color blindness gets weirder and weirder. Every shade of Monopoly money is the wrong shade. Mm. No matter what Maybe bill you're just you have. That, that's a, entirely a possibility. No matter what bill you have in Monopoly, I don't know what color it is. And that, I think, is really a remarkable achievement on behalf of the Parker brothers. Um, so, yeah, for me, when it comes to Monopoly, you could sit down, you could play it, you'll never finish it, and that's fine. Don't even try to finish it. But just have some fun and entertain your kid. And by the way, if you see one that says Monopoly Cheaters Edition, don't do it. Don't do it, you guys. It's not as much fun as they claim. But the real thing, the original game, the OG, if you will, old school game, 
Monopoly, my number five, is a good game. Yeah, they have all these different editions of Monopoly uh, out these days. Uh, they even have them based on cities. Not too long ago, I was in... I was, yeah, well, not too long ago, I was in our Walmart, and they had a Hayes City edition of Monopoly. <laughs> I, I, I decided not to buy it, but apparently it, is a, apparently it is a thing. So you should, you know, I would bet if you go down to your Target or your Walmart or whatever your, your big box uh, kind of store is, you would find a Topeka version of Monopoly. And I would bet that Instead Rodrigo, there is a Seattle version of Monopoly as well. Seattle's a real city, but like instead of Park Place, it can be Vine Street. I don't know. I didn't buy it to look. I think Zach has a copy because of right. just because it's Zach. Um, right. Yeah, but, I, mean, um, I, I, I saw it right at the beginning of the lockdown and I was like, there's no way in heck I'm going to torture people at home <laughs> with this. I mean, we well, have, the, the boys have the, the boys have and they enjoy playing Fortnite Monopoly. And we have one other version of Monopoly. I think we have an orig- a regular version of Monopoly, but we haven't played that in so long because the last time we played it, I just walked in and cleaned, cleaned the board and made the kids cry, and that was the end of that. Steven, yeah. don't make your kids cry. But just because I was winning, just because I knew how to play the game. Steven, don't make your kids And then Teach they were just like, oh, Dad is beating us. I'm like, yeah, here's how you win. And I told them, and I still beat them, and they just got mad and flipped the table and stormed off and started crying. So, Rodrigo, what do you have as your number five? <laughs> Board game. Uh, my number. So, so this isn't my number five, but as an anecdote, when I first moved to the area, some of the uh, kids at Fort Hayes had made a risk board based on the building layout. Oh, that's of funny. Fort Hayes, and they called the, the the game was called Affordable Conquest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have Very to drive. You have to drive the interstates of I seventy to appreciate that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anyway, uh, my number five is Pandemic colon The Cure. Oh yeah, yeah. Did um, you did you so, play that? No, I'm uh, I'm thinking of the season one, season two game. Um, season one, season two. Yeah. Game. So they have this thing where it's Pandemic, where you play it out over oh, the course of a year. Right. 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 No. Yeah, no so no, I'm no. thinking of a different uh, one. Uh, I know that risks version of that is called risk legacy so i don't know if that's pandemic legacy but no mm. uh, pandemic the cure is actually kind of the opposite of that it's a kind of a simplified version of pandemic where instead of having uh, a big board of the world and you moving your pieces around it it has an inner circle and then what like five one two three four five six uh other circles each representing a content a, a continent or like continental mass um, and, uh, you, uh, it's all based on dice. Basically the infections themselves are dice and you roll those dice on sort of like during the events. And if you get high enough numbers that, uh, things spread to other circles. Um, I, I enjoy it mostly because I've played pandemic and that's enjoyable. This mm-hmm. keeps a lot of the stuff that I like about pandemic which is the sort of the the job cards that basically give you a a superpower mm-hmm. like I can go anywhere I want without spending a movement or like I can you know like put a little hat on a virus and now it's my friend or something I don't know um something like that I don't know virus hats yeah I mean you do end up putting your dice you can hide viruses under your dice um so it is kind of like putting a little hat on them but um it also kind of speeds it up 
Um, and even if you lose, you sometimes just have these like explosive events that get everything, uh, just spread the viruses everywhere, and you lose. And and but it's faster, you know. It's, oh, it's yeah, just yeah. also faster than than the regular pandemic. So that's that's why I like it. It's kind of that pandemic experience, but uh, a little bit quicker, a little bit easier to to get into. I think. Yeah, I played up. We ended up playing the Pandemic Legacy Season Zero or Season One, whatever it was, on um, over on our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video, and we did that. And oh man, it destroyed all of us. It destroyed Brad and Rob and Brian and I. It just because of how creepy everything was playing out. Uh, and of course, we did this, what, 2017, I want to say. So a couple of years before the pandemic. But it sure. certainly makes you freak out a little bit when you're playing that game and thinking about how a pandemic spreads and, and sometimes how hard it is to contain and shut it down. Yeah, this this game keeps you pretty distant. Everything's played with bright colored dice. But, you know, I, I guess content warning here, if you are uh, sensitive about you know current events maybe mm. skip this one yeah at least in oh, pandemic no, I, legacy in, yeah. at least in pandemic legacy uh turns out that it's a virus that kind of turns people into zombies so sure. you know you've got that going for you plus it's also set in the future uh so there you go all right for me my number five is smash up oh i do love a good game of smash up the most recent version of smash up is a smash up marvel where you have uh, six different factions of Marvel teams. So you have an Ultimates team, you have a Hydra team, Avengers, Masters of Evil, Shield, the Kree, Spider-Verse, and the Sinister Six. And what you do, it's a game for two to four players. You could play with more, but really at that point it gets a little unwieldy and takes a long time. Uh, I think that the best grouping is three uh, to play the game, but essentially what you do is everybody takes two of these faction factions and smash them up. So if you've ever wanted uh, the Sinister Six and the Spider-Verse characters to team up, you can do that and take on all the other players in the game to try and capture these bases. And you do this by playing your cards. Some cards are worth more than others and have powers that do things. And uh, when you get a base, you get points based on whether you're the person with the most points on that base or not. And the first person to 15 wins. It's a fairly fast game. I would say you can play it under an hour. With four people, it takes about an hour and 20 probably. Uh, but it is an incredibly fun game. Uh, I have been, ever since we played it the first time, I've been getting all the different Smash Up things. So there's like a geeky Smash Up version where they have all these geek pop culture ones. They have a cease and desist expansion where it is... Um, all of these properties that they're not calling Star Trek and not calling Star Wars or not yeah, calling Transformers, Transformers and you got to smash those up. And, you know, they have classic movie monsters. They have a Cthulhu edition. They have a Munchkin edition. They have they've been doing a world tour one uh, where they blend, blend in a bunch of cultures. Uh, it's just a really fun game to play. And of course, if you're going to get all the expansions, you have to get the big geeky box where you can store everything. Otherwise, you're just going to run out of shelf space with all of the the boxes that come with this. It is a fun game. It's enjoyable. I like it. I don't know if you like it, Rodrigo. I know you've played it uh, with us a bit. Yeah, actually, Smash Up is my number two. Oh, okay. What do you like about Smash Up? Um, I, I, I do enjoy that aspect, that it basically turns into a different game depending on what you mm-hmm. pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very particular about Smash Up, so I only buy the... Uh, the expansions that I like, but also like nobody around here likes Smash Up very what? much. Oh my! So, so I don't I don't often get to play it. Really, uh, the the reason why Smash Up is not number one on my list 
is actually because it has balance issues. Mm-hmm. Like there mm-hmm. are combinations that are better than other combinations. Yeah. And a lot of those combinations are in the core game. Yeah. Like um, really wizards, micro like wizards, robots and zombies because of like recursion, like like kind of like snowballing and uh, um, card draw. Although I think I flipped two of those um, really make it really speed up whoever's doing yeah. those factions. That's that's why um, that's why there's players like Rob who really understand all the cards in detail. So it's like if he gets a chance to get the zombies, he's going to grab the zombies every time right. because he knows he can just be like, "Oh, all of these come back from my draw pile and go right back into the game." And oh, I can yeah. put this one back into the game. And oh, I can put this one back into the game. And it's just like, ugh. So sometimes you have to you have to put a moratorium on on who can play what faction sometimes. Well, and that's why the game establishes that sort of like uh, like picking roundup, right? Mm-hmm. So you like players, player one picks theirs, player two picks theirs, player three picks theirs, and player three picks again, and then mm-hmm. you go backwards. Yep. Um, but again, because so, so many of them are so good, is like if I want to play werewolf sharks, um, I and I'm playing against Rob, I feel that I can't. I feel that I have to take those wizards or those zombies mm-hmm. if he takes one or the other or before he does, right? Yeah. Otherwise, he's just going to run away with the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there are some that I just hate completely. I hate princesses in that only because of the way their mechanic works. It works best once you get out the the top princess or whatever that she's called yeah. and then all princesses. the others start fun- functioning. I, 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 The reason why I like princesses is because they're very similar to dinosaurs. It's like a mm-hmm. 100% heavy hitter yeah. um, deck. So it it creates its own, yeah. Again, you know, princesses really benefit from something like pirates that allows you to move them around. Yeah. I think in this Marvel one, I mean, it's, it's probably the same way, depending on what faction you get is going to make it a little imbalanced because like the shield agents, you get to pull out shield agents left and right. Same way mm-hmm. with, um, I think Hydra is the same way. Their minions just come pouring out uh, throughout the yeah. entire game. But still a fun game. And Rodrigo, there is an app version. If you have an iPad, there's an app version of Smash Up. They don't update it that often. And I wish they would. I wish they'd really pay a little bit more uh, development into this. But it is one that you can play online with friends. Is it? How much does it cost? Do you remember? I don't remember what the cost is. I know it's less than 10 bucks. I'll look it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. All right, so we knocked a two down with a one with one stone, which brings us all the way back around to Matthew. Oh, uh, um, let's see. Did you have a number five, Rodrigo? I did my number five, yes. Oh, okay. All right. So now we are back around to our number four. Hello. With Matthew. What Matthew. have you got? What have you got, Matthew? Well, here's the deal. When you say board games, and I go board games, it should be noted that I was raised by a depression grandma. Not a grandma with depression, a grandma from the depression. I wanted to make that clear. She grew up in the Dust Bowl, and sometimes... Yeah, so did my grandma. Yeah, when you grow up in the Dust Bowl, sometimes the only thing to do is sit around the table by candlelight and play a game. Mm -hmm. And so, along with my love of Monopoly, a game that nobody likes, my number four is a game that I love that almost nobody likes, The Game of Life. Now, we had the deluxe copy of the Game of Life when I was a kid with the little spinner that was really special and the little mountains and the hills and the buildings that you climb up. And it's, oh, it's awesome. But the Game of Life is basically this silly game that 
kind of takes you through the 40s expectation of what your life will be. You're born, either go to school or don't. Uh, then you go down, you get married, you have a bunch of babies, and eventually you either retire or go bankrupt. It's a horrifying game. And when you actually you know, take into account back-to-back with Monopoly, just what they were trying to teach us uh, back in the past, I really, really wish that I had a chance to ask my grandma what the actual F-bomb, because the game is teaching terrible lessons. But I always would go through and, and mess around with things like, oh, am I going to go to college this time or shall I go to trade school? And I find that when you go and you do something unexpected, sometimes you'd win. And of course, once again, we'd house rule it. So sometimes if you put your playing piece is a car, a little car, and you fill it, you know, when you get a spouse and then you get some children and you get more children, you get a whole bunch of children. So sometimes you have to have a second car. And you have to teach your kids how to drive the second car for your playing pieces because you don't have enough room for all the children in the car. Uh, but I love this game, and I don't know why. It's relatively simple. It plays really quick. It gives you a, just a terrible example of what life could be like for you if you were an adult in the 1940s and 50s. And I still love it. And if I were to say, if you were to say to me right now, let's go play the game of life, I'd be like, okay, let us go right now and play the game of life. Because that's how much I love that game. My number four. All right. You there you go. That thing? Uh, I remember playing it back in like the early 80s. And I was just like, eh, I'm not really super fond of this. Let's do something <laughs> else. Yeah. Steven was busy, you know, listening to uh, MTV VJ video games. Oh, no. This was before MTV, dude. This was like, <laughs> when was, when was like Dukes Nothing of Hazzard? Nothing is before it, uh, MTV. Early 80s. Yeah, like this Dukes is really early. Would have been 77, 78, 79. Okay. Yeah, so there. right in there, right right in there. That's when I would have played it cuz I remember playing it over a friend's house and I remember he was all like, "Oh man, let's play this game before Dukes of Hazard comes on." And then we had to sit around and watch Dukes of Hazard. And so it's like, a "Okay." Good old boys. Yeah. So, there you I go. I love that song. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number 4? Uh, my number 4 is a board game called Tokaido. Mm. Um, it, uh, what I, what I like about this game is, uh, sort of, uh, it's setting and to a lesser degree, uh, it's mechanics that complement that setting. So the idea behind Tokaido is that you are a pilgrim of some kind, uh, in the East Sea Road of Japan. I don't know if this is a real thing or if it's made up for the game um but you are sort of journeying from one end of it to the other and along the way there are there's like beautiful nature and temples and um shops and so you can stop at any of these and spend your money or meditate or rest um, and then at the end, whoever had like the most fulfilling trip is the winner. Um, there's no mechanics to mess with other players directly. It is a competitive game and that mm-hmm. there's only one winner, mm-hmm. but there isn't something like, oh, like smash this person back two squares or whatever. Um, the only you can, you can mess with other people indirectly by like, uh, if you see that they are trying to get something, you can move because only one token, I think, I'm pretty sure only one token can occupy one uh, occupy one square. So you move your token 
there and then they won't be able to get that and you you could screw them up that way but um it's it's i haven't we haven't played enough for me to determine if that's even at all a worthwhile because you might be screwing yourself over mm-hmm. by not moving on to whatever you want to move on to right um i don't know that i've ever won a game of tokaido does but, anybody ever win uh well, i mean my wife people, does yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anybody who plays with me has stands a good chance of winning because I'm pretty. I I I'll point out I'm very bad at board games, like very bad. Like I might exi- excitedly challenge you to a game of Smash Up, but you're probably gonna win. So you got that going for you. Um, <laughs> as I was saying, I've never won a game of Tokaido, but I still enjoy just how like non-confrontational and kind of meandering it is like very much on purpose mm-hmm. neat neat yeah the tokaido is a real thing it was actually a road between edo and honshu oh well, there you go. uh in like the six the 16th and 17th century so yeah, yeah. and that's the and that's how everything's sort of uh flavor yeah. like it, it all seems old-timey right you're not like modern tourists it's like right. one of them is like a uh, a high-born lady, and another one's like a samurai, and another right. one's like you know, so, so, and so forth. all Edo period tropes. That's cool, right? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that one. I may have to look it up. Yeah, yeah the art, the art looks really, really, oh, really the cute. Art, the art is really fantastic. Yeah, it's a very pretty game. Yeah, I was just looking at it, and I was just like, oh, this is very pretty. This is very neat. And what do you have? Like, uh, are these the coins that are in this? Are these metal coins, or are they plastic, or what? Um, they are cardboard, unless. Oh, okay. Uh, you have a different edition than the one I have. Okay, I'm just looking at whatever people have posted on Board Game Geek. Oh yeah, I can uh-huh. see now. I can see the little punch out. Um, yeah, it's all it's all it. cardboard, but it's all very pretty. Um, I also like that uh, each of the characters, or you can have your character represented by any color, mm-hmm. and I like that one of the color choices is gray, which is very rare mm-hmm. for yeah. like. Usually, you get like yellow and red and blue and green and that's it you know maybe a purple but mm-hmm. it's nice that you it's nice that i can just be like i'll be great <laughs> i'll be great i like the gray. all right very cool my number four sentinels of the multiverse uh smash up is really the only competitive game um where it's player against player all the rest of mine on the list are cooperative, cooperative in some way, shape, or form, which I really like. I really like the idea of a cooperative game where it's the group against either one person, in the case of some of my also-rans, or against the game itself. And Sentinels of the Multiverse is one of those games where it is you against the AI, the AI being whatever villain you decide to take on, whether it is Baron Blade or Akash Buddha. Uh, or you know any uh, um, the 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 uh, what's her name the secretary lady that just drives me nuts. Um, that's you know she starts out by oh miss uh, misinformation. Oh I hate playing misinformation. Uh, but the idea is you and the rest of your team up the I guess four players uh, go ahead and pick a hero that have a deck of cards that you can bring out powers and abilities and do things that. Uh, will attack the villain, will inta- attack the environment, because the environment is also attacking you. You can attack the villain's minions, and little by little, you can wear down the the villain and hopefully win. Now, the downside of Sentinels of the Universe, of the multiverse, which is why it's in my number four position, is you do die. Your heroes can die. And when your hero dies... You flip a card and you've got one of two things that you can do for the rest of the game. But pretty much the rest of the game, you're a viewer or a participant. 
And for those of you that have listened to us play the Munchkinland episode with, I think John played it. Oh my God. It was down to him. And, and I was just like, well, how about we just give this up since John's only got like five points left. And Rob was like, no, 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 let's just keep playing. And over the course of like 45 minutes with three of us just sitting around watching, he slowly took down. What's the, the villain with the crows, uh, slowly took her down point, point. No, no, no. But just took her down point by point by point until we finally won the game. But for 45 minutes, three people in the game had nothing to do yep. but watch. And that is kind of the downside of Sentinels of the Multiverse. Now, if you're interested in Sentinels of the Multiverse, because it has a base set, and then over the years they have had a number of expansions, um, they are about ready to start a Kickstarter. I think it kicks off in March, where it's called Sentinels of the Multiverse, the Definitive Edition. And what they've done is they've streamlined the game, clarified a bunch of the rules, and then they're going to kind of release this Definitive Edition uh, once a year. Um, with a couple of expansions. They're not going to do the individual hero card pack expansions like they have in the past. They're just going to say, here's Rook City expansion. Boom. Here is this expansion. Boom. And so people who might want to check out a smoother version of the game might want to check out the definitive edition when it comes to Kickstarter in a couple of weeks. But man, I love Sentinels of the Multiverse. It is such a fun game. It's also available in an electronic form. And I will say this because I do say this every time I do a major spoilers plays and I'm playing one of these board games. Playing a board game uh, in an electronic version, like Sentinels of the Universe on the app or on the Steam, um, helps you understand the rules and helps you really figure out how your character works in the mechanics. And so I, I highly suggest people learn how to play uh, games using the, the electronic version if they can, just so they understand the game better. Because my number one, I will tell you, um, helped me out tremendously to where I think Rob doesn't want to play the game with me anymore. So that's <laughs> that's the reason why. All right. So that's my number four. We need to get to our number threes. And Matthew, what do you have for number three? My number three is actually a game that I excel at, that I really enjoy playing. But I have finally, uh, in my dotage, created a monster who can defeat me. Uh, and I think, you know, all superheroes go through this in that I had for many years never been beaten in a game of Scrabble. But I now have a child, and this child has synthesized my evil and her mother's evil into one new brand of evil, where she routinely will crush me at Scrabble, and she'll put up you know, stupid words that I should have gotten for 93 points, and it's, it's utterly ridiculous, but I really, really enjoy playing because it's really fascinating to see her enjoying the game and remember when I was young how much fun it was to just kick my sister's butt and put up chiropractor, 93 letters, get all the points in the world. Um, Scrabble is another one of those old school games. When I was young, my grandmother had the deluxe board. Oh, yeah. So it, was this, it came in that big, like lavender box. Yeah, it was this big yeah. square. It was an enormous and it had yeah. a really, really st- cool steel turntable underneath so you wouldn't have to like move the board around or make anything and you would click the letters into a little box so they'd hold so you wouldn't have the problem of letters sliding around you wouldn't have the issue of oh wait did something move was it was just awesome it's really wonderful you can't buy them anymore they don't make them anymore and if you want to buy one it's going to cost you about the same as a gi joe battleship and frankly i mean i just don't have that kind of time and energy but i might eventually 
And it's really nice to play the game that I enjoyed with my kid and realize why people hated playing it with me because I kind of hate playing it with her, but it's also, you know, inspiring knowing that, that I have created something even more evil than me to play at Scrabble, which is why it's my number three. Yeah. So I'm looking here on Amazon Scrabble giant deluxe edition with rotating wooden board, 150 bucks. Uh, There's a vintage version for 155. Then there's one that says WS Game Company Scrabble Luxury Edition with rotating game board, which actually has little pullout drawers. It looks Bobby like $229. So, you know, it's 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 within your price range there, Matthew. You don't know what my price range is. I mean, yes, sure. it's within my price range now because I'm a grown up. But yeah, see? I, I come from a place where they that's also car have, money. They also have deluxe magnetic Scrabble mounts Ooh, to that. your wall. Family crossword board game with message board, $119. I want that with the sole exception of the fact that, you know, the kid walks around with the computer on her waist, and if it gets magnetized, suddenly her pancreas stops working. So well, I don't think that these are like rare earth magnets the size of a uh, Oh, they are. They are Hyundai. entirely. It's a wall-sized Scrabble board. Yeah. You can only get it from Hummock or Schlimmer. Yeah, uh, you can... You can- Put it up against any wall because there's something metallic on the other side of it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? Uh, my number three is uh, Magic Colon the Gathering. Wait, Magic Colon? I love that yes. game when I was a kid. Uh, that's that's eventually that they changed the name to Operation because. Uh, oh, good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's still um, <laughs> Yep. Cool. <laughs> that's why he's the clever one everybody so um magic the gathering is my number three because i think it's a really fantastic game um but also it's it's got a lot of issues right um magic is the sort of game where it's been around for so long and there's so many expansions and so many cards that you can basically customize a deck to play however you want. You have tons of options. And once you're used to how the game works, it really allows for a lot of imagination and a lot of uh, however you want to do things. Um, you know, a big issue of Magic is that it's uh, still largely a randomized kind of trading card game, even though sometimes it seems that Wizards of the Coast, the company that puts it out, seems to like not like the fact that it's a randomized trading card game. Like mm-hmm. sometimes they're like weirdly angry at that. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, if they only hadn't gotten rid of the guy who created magic, the gathering and sent him over to, uh, Asmo day where he created Keyforge, then maybe they'd have a game that, uh, might work the way they want. Richard Garfield has a, uh, amicable relationship with magic. He's actually been back to, Oh, to work to on design some stuff. sets of magic. Yeah. Nice. So it, it, he's, he's doing, he's, he's okay. Uh, they're okay with him. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's just, like, uh, a Magic being such a big game and such a big deal has, like, more dimensions for there to be problems in. You know, they have inclusivity issues in their design uh, teams. They have scandals. There's just, like, they have, like, championship scandals. There are championships to begin with, you know? And um, because of that, that means there's a meta, and that creates... Uh, people online that have opinions about that meta. And sometimes that can be very tiresome to to interact with the magic community 
um, because everybody has an opinion and, and sometimes that can be pretty grating. So mm -hmm. a lot of the time, magic kind of turns into a wash for me. Um, there are things that I want to do with it, but I can't because it doesn't fit into the right um, format or because um, the game doesn't quite work that way. Um, and and very frequently, I can't talk to anyone about it because everybody has like very strong opinions about it. So mm -hmm. I I still enjoy playing Magic. I haven't spent a lot of ma uh, of money in Magic in the last few years, and I did during the pandemic. Um, but after playing pretty regularly these past few months, um, I'm about ready for at least another short hiatus. Mm. So I might I might stop playing Magic there for a bit. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. Oh yeah. Things come and go kind of like my number three Arkham horror. I love mm -hmm. the Cthulhu mythos and the stories that have been built around it. And fantasy flight games has done this thing for literally decades now where they create these investigators who are in and around the city of Arkham and the surrounding area. And they try to take the Cthulhu mythos tales and put you in them in a kind of a story driven way, whether that be Eldritch horror or what's the one, um, there's a whole bunch of the Eldritch ones. Um, the the Dunwich horror. Yeah. Uh, but in, in this sleeper. case, in this case, you're playing investigators and you're working through like the Dunwich horror where you are trying to stop the return of the monster. Uh, so we've played that one. We've played a King and Yellow game. We've played a uh, game involving Yig um, and a whole bunch. The problem with a lot of the fantasy flight games is they can be incredibly hard to beat. And so my biggest frustration is as much as I love the Arkham Horror games, and um, I would put this higher on my list, except that the success rate to actually win a campaign without everybody dying or going insane is incredibly low. And that's where my frustration is. I know a lot of people enjoy watching Brad and I play the Arkham Horror games on uh, the Munchkin Land over on our YouTube channel. Again, major spoilers video uh, on the YouTube. Um, but it is so soul sucking at times where no matter what you do, it's like monster after monster after monster is just tearing you down. I think the win, you know, like to win any chapter in a campaign and these campaigns go for, what is it like eight to 10 installments. So, you know, they're getting you to buy all these expansion packs to tell the complete wow. stories. And then they have another story, which will contain the first couple of chapters. And then you buy all the expansions for that. The current one is Dagon uh, with uh, Innsmouth. Um, and that one's interesting, but you know, I think the win rate is only 25% or less. And so of those eight to 10 games, you may only win three or two of the scenarios and still lose the entire storyline where, you know, the great old one comes back and destroys everything, but man, it's fun. And the, I guess the thing that I really like about it is that fantasy flight has paid so much attention in building up their own mythos of Arkham and, and the surrounding areas that, you're happy to see when an investigator comes back for a particular game. Oh, look, they've added this investigator. I haven't seen them since, uh, you know, since this game. And so it's neat to see them add these guys and build up a mythos around these investigators. They've even got a couple of books that uh, go into detail about, you know, the history of these characters. And so that's really neat. So my number three is Arkham Horror. It's an expensive game in the long run, kind of like Magic the Gathering. Uh, but I enjoy it as much as I hate it. And that's why it's right there in the middle of my list. At number three, Matthew, what do you have for your number two? My number two is a game that uh, not everybody hates, thankfully, but I don't think anybody remembers. Uh, when I was younger, 
I, as I, I've mentioned siblings before, I don't usually mention them in a positive context. So everybody take a drink. Uh, when I was younger, my elder sister got chicken pox. And uh, the rule was in the 70s, when one kid had it, you throw the others in with them. So my older sister and I spent like a weekend locked in a room playing board games. And the game that we played that I always remember fondly is Mousetrap. Oh, yeah. and The, the game that hardly ever worked. The game that almost never worked. But the thing about Mousetrap is as you play the game, you get little pieces to build this Rube Goldberg device where you're trying to literally trap a mouse and your player character, your little indicator on the board is a mouse. And as you go through and you build the thing, you have the chance to try and trip the mouse trap and capture your other player. And we actually got it to work once or twice because what it is, is there's a bathtub up on the top and there's a ball on the bathtub and then it knocks down into and then it drops this cage down that catches your mouse. But uh, I don't know if they have this game anymore, and if they do, I don't know if it works the same they way. Do. Because in the seventies, they could hand you like fifteen pounds of plastic, and it would be thirty-two dollars, and you'd be, um, you know, walking out. Yeah, Mousetrap okay, so, is still around, nineteen bucks. T- tell me something, because I've only ever played Mousetrap once, and yes. it kind of didn't work out. If yes, if the Rube Goldberg device fails, yes. It, that's that's like an in-game state, right? If it if it doesn't work, then the mouse is not trapped, right? The way I remember it, and again, this would have been in the 70s, so the rules may have changed since then. But yes, if your mouse trap fails, doesn't work for whatever reason, then the player who was going to be trapped is, yes, in fact, they're free, and the game okay. can go on. Okay. But if you, I mean, if you're locking stuff and you're putting the things and you're doing your clicks and your other clicks and your clickety clicks, eventually you've built this better mousetrap and theoretically it should work. But yeah, the way I remember it is if it doesn't go or if it like, what would always happen is the little thing would go halfway down and then catch. Mm -hmm. That's a free mouse, man. Okay. So then you have to, you know, rebuild the trap theoretically. I, I vaguely remember it. You know, it's one of those things that I remember nicely. Now that my sister is, you know, grown up and lives on some sort of commune somewhere i don't know i talk to her like once every five years usually at a funeral but here's the thing mousetrap not only a fun game but a game that holds positive childhood memories for me and i could just go yeah i remember mousetrap i should probably get one of those someday knowing that i almost never will run into one nor will i buy it but should the option come up you know then i could and i could play it again and see if the kid could beat me at that too uh, the only time I ever played Mousetrap, and man, I was maybe Two. five or six. <laughs> I remember going over to some people's houses that I didn't even know, and their kids were like, hey, let's go play. And I was like, okay. And they're like, here's this game, Mousetrap. And I'm like, okay, this let's learn how to play it. And they're like, oh, no, this is a really dumb game. Let's just build the Mousetrap and see if we can get it to work. And so we didn't even play the game. We just built the Rube Goldberg piece and tried to make it work. And uh, and then, it, of course, it got stuck, just like you said, Matthew, with the uh, man into the bathtub. And they were like, oh, this is a dumb game. Let's go do something else. And I was like, okay. Then let's go, let's go throw rocks at things. Yeah, well, we probably did. It was the 70s, right? Right, yeah. You know, broken glass. That, that, yeah, that was, a, that was a game. Yep. Uh, also, uh, a tetanus tetanus who cannot get tetanus. That was the other fun game, too. <laughs> My Is number this two. dog going to bite? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we've already done Rodrigo's number two. 
uh, yeah. which was Smash Up. Uh, my number two is imagine your favorite side scroller uh, beat 'em up game. Zaxxon. Uh, but imagine it with, you know, all the martial arts guys against all the bad guys and stuff, and it's a co-op game. But instead, imagine it as a board game played with cards and miniatures where, again, cooperative, you and your other fighters go up against the villain and the bad guy and the AI of the system to try and take him or her or the organization down. This is the 80s of, of all 80s board games that I've ever played. It is Brian introduced me to this. He kept on saying, oh, Stephen, we got to play the Street Masters game. We got to play the Street Masters game. And I'm like, Brian, it doesn't sound interesting to me. He's like he always described it as like a video game in a board game format. And I was just like, Brian, I don't want to play this game. And this Kickstarter came and went and he got it. And and so finally, one night we didn't have anything to do. And he was like, so you want to play Street Masters? I'm like, fine, let's play Street Masters. And two hours later, I'm like, I love this game. Ah, This is the greatest game in the world. Uh, so much so that the next year at uh, Gen Con, uh, Samantha Nelson, who plays on our other podcast, Critical Hit, uh, I knew she was going and I knew that they were about to release a bunch of expansions for the game, including the original stuff. And I was like, Sam, you think you might be able to go when you go to Gen Con and go to their booth and buy like the entire game for me, like all the expansions and everything. And I will either give you the money ahead of time or pay you immediately. And she's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And, uh, you know, she went the day of, she bought it. She told me how much it was. I transferred it and she's like, okay, it's in the mail to you right now. And like three days later, like three giant boxes arrive. This thing has got so many expansions. The coolest part is all the minifigures that keep coming out to destroy your, your characters. And of course you can play just every, you know, there's a, there's a Chun-Li analog. There is a Bruce Lee analog. There is a, uh, Ken Ken and Ryu analogs in the is game. Stanley analog. Yes, there's a Stanley analog in the game. It is just such a fun game uh, that it earned this number two spot. So much so that every time they do an expansion, I do it. Even though they've the their most recent Kickstarter had a lot of problems, um, they announced a new Indiegogo campaign for the most recent expansion. I'm like, yeah, I know you. I got really mad at you guys on the last one, but I'm giving you my this money again because I like this game so much. Street Masters from Blacklist Games. Uh, there is an electronic version of this, and if you ever again watch me on the game streams that I do during the week, um, you'll see me play Street Masters once a week, and it is fun, 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 fun. Uh, now it's only that um, electronic version is only available on iPad, so or the M1 Max. If you've got a M1 Mac, you can install uh, traditional iPad apps on that and play that on your desktop as well. But Street Masters definitely my number two. Such a fun game to play. So many expansions, so many things that you can do with it. It's fun. All right. We have reached our number one position. And I must say that if you have not joined our discord server, please do that. And if, and if you enjoy the show and want to support the show and see it continue far into the future, please go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Check out everything that we're doing over there. And if you find that this, uh, these shows that we do, if top five is something that you enjoy listening to week after week, whether it's the group of us or whether it's Dan doing his top five games segments, uh, if you enjoy those and think that they're worth at least a buck an episode, Sign up at the at the silver level, uh, five dollars a month. That'll cover, uh, you know, a buck an episode and especially in months when we have five weeks and we would really appreciate it and would allow us to continue this show far into the future. For those of you that are already patrons, thank you so much. And for those of you that are thinking about becoming a patron, thank you so much in advance. Now, Matthew, let's find out what your number one board game is. 
I don't think anyone is going to be particularly surprised at my number one board game, simply because uh, I think that it's a well-known fact that the reason that I'm here at Major Spoilers is because my brain retains information the way a boat retains barnacles, just sort of like dragging through things, and then the barnacles stick. And so when I was younger... I discovered that there was no good use for any of this information except for annoying girls and playing my number one game, Trivial Pursuit. Oh, my youngest loves this game. He loves right? playing Trivial Pursuit. And we used to have the, the Genus Edition, the Genus edition which, yeah. which we referred to as either the Genius Edition or the Anus Edition, whichever you want, depending on what sort of mood you were in. But... The original game was relatively simple. There were six categories. There was uh, death, death, hell, Armageddon, death, and sports, I think. Um, whatever it was. And you had those, and you would try and get around the board answering questions correctly. And if you got to a corner, you get a pie, you fill up the pie, you go to the middle, you answer a question, you win. But it was one of those things where, and I don't know if this is the actual rules, if you didn't answer a question wrong, you kept going. Right. And yes, that's so, correct. Yeah. So my turns would routinely be 10 and 15 minutes long because trivial pursuit. Hey man, I retain this stuff. This this is just the way my brain works. I can't tell you anything useful. I can't tell you how to balance a checkbook. I can't tell you how to change the spark plugs in a car, but I can tell you the gross rainfall of uh, the Indian basin. But Here's the thing. If you've never played Trivial Pursuit, they now have specialized Trivial Pursuits for everything, mm -hmm. which are a little less fun because the whole point of the original Trivial Pursuit was, you know, stupid, weird, out of left field, wacky questions. But I have one for Doctor Who that is so hard, I refuse to play it. I just, yeah. I refuse to play it. We have one of our uh... spoiler rights actually sent it to me. It came from Abby. And I'm like, I can't play this. It's just, it's too hard. Yeah, we have a Star Wars one that came out when the prequels came out, mm -hmm. and it's impossible because um, <laughs> it's not nine only, numb. The answer is always yeah, nine numb. Not not only does it get into such like little nitty gritty things, but it has to. It's like if you're if you're a big Star Wars nerd, chances are you're not a big Star Wars. Like uh, you can't be. A, a, a complete Star Wars nerd, right? It's like right, it's you may not know about like film techniques that were used on Star Wars, and also know who said the line. Oh, which one is that one? You know, it's like it. Everything about it is like just so incredibly specific that it makes it like super difficult. Yeah, uh, another game that I never win. <laughs> yeah, I, this is it's, another it's one that's like who who did the Wilhelm scream at the end of Episode Four, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, Probably this is another help. one that makes my youngest mad. He loves playing the game, but he hates losing, so he loves playing against my wife. But if I'm laying on the couch, like I'll be half asleep, and they'll be reading out questions, and I'll just start shouting out answers, and it just makes them both Aww. so mad. Uh, but yeah, the minute that you start winning in the game, my youngest is just like, I'm done with this game, and goes stomps off to his bedroom, so... Uh, he he yeah. has some he has some issues anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kids so are happens. kids are kids. Yeah. Like I I've I've played games with my nephews and it's an experience because Oh yeah. You know, it's like sometimes yeah, sometimes one of them gets really upset. Sometimes one of them is just like clearly cheating and just looking at you in the face like, "Okay, <laughs> whose turn is it now?" And I'm like, 
oh yeah, you're going to do that. You're going to do that to me right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Trivia Pursuit, man. That uh, I used to study the cards because oftentimes those questions would come up in quiz bowl. Right. Yeah. That was also another thing I was eh, quiz bowl used to make me mad too, but yeah, I was in the quiz bowl and you'd see, you know, the, the things would come up and it would be like, uh, what was Elvis's left shoe color in the scene? And then just like, nobody knows this stuff. Oh, that's but right. It's just trivial. Well in like four out of five of the categories. And then you'd get sports. We mm-hmm. had, we had such a, we had such a good team for quiz bowl when I was yeah. in high school, cause like we had a sports guy and mm-hmm. we had a Bible guy. And for some reason in Ohio, there's lots of questions. There's just like always a Bible category. They so, call it the Bible belt for a reason. Yeah. I was, I just feel that the, like, I don't like, I just feel that the weird ones, like, you know, materials that like superhero weapons were made out of. He's uh-huh. an atomic like, lizard that attacked Tokyo. Everybody yeah, turns exactly, and looks exactly. at Rodrigo. Yeah, stuff like did, that. Yep. Yeah. Did you guys have a stock answer when you didn't know? Because mine was Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. No matter what it was, if I didn't know, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah, everybody was real serious. Uh, once once we got out of our own school, everyone was real serious about it. So mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't really like, you know, Let joking you around. Screwing yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. Rodrigo, yeah, what do you have for your number one? Uh, my number one is a game that I didn't expect to like, and then I played it and I loved it because it uh, it has pretty much everything that I want in a board game. One, it's incredibly quick to set up. Two, uh, it has fo- like weird little characters. Three, its mechanics are deceptively complex, but pretty easy to understand like it's easy to understand what you do from turn to turn but there is also a strategy there and that's rumble in the house slash rumble in the dungeon um i don't know if you guys have played it or if you remember playing it but you basically set up a dungeon then there's like all of these little characters um so it's like a little dwarf and a little gelatinous cube or whatever, or like rumble in the house. It's like a, an alien and a zombie and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, z- you set all that up before you do anything. And then you draw which characters are yours. Um, and then when you play, you can control any characters like it's it's hidden information which characters are yours. So you're trying to manipulate all characters on the board so that you are either the last one standing or you're out the door with the treasure. Right? Nice. Um, so the first time you play it, you know, you're probably really focused on your own characters and you end up losing because of that. Um, it takes a few goes to be like, okay, I have to like be a few moves ahead and I have to account for other stuff. And chances are, I'm not going to win. You get points based on how long your kid, because most games end up becoming free-for-alls where everybody dies. So the <laughs> longer you stay, one of your characters stays in the game, the more points you get. So if if you are care, even if you are taken out, if your character is the last one, and then your other character is the second to last one out, you're actually doing really well point-wise, right? You could, you could actually win it uh, because you play several, several rounds of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. I've, I've played it with my family, and they liked it okay. Another uh, 
a great instance of playing with my nephews and my nephew, my younger nephew at the time was like a little too young to really get it. So he, he was always really upset because, you know, somebody would move his piece and it would mm-hmm. get killed. And he's like, you just killed my piece. And we're like, dude, you're not supposed to tell us which ones are yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's, it's, a t- yeah. it's tough to, to separate yourself from that. But that's, that's kind of what I like about it. I mm-hmm. like that I can tactically nuke one of my guys without <laughs> anybody even knowing that that's what I did if I think that it gives my other guy better chances of oh, surviving. Nice. Nice, it's, nice. it's pretty interesting. It's good times. Good times, good times. All right. Uh, my number one is, again, a game that I have played for a long time. I think uh, Rob or Brian introduced me to it, and I've been hooked ever since. And that is uh, Legendary Marvel, or Marvel Legendary, depending on on how it, it's listed on, on the current game catalog. So essentially, this is a deck shuffling game where you have uh, you play a, a superhero, a Marvel hero, and they have so many expansions for this game, it is... Silly. They have more expansions for this than Sentinels and Smash Up and Arkham Horror combined, it feels like. Um, <laughs> but essentially, you play a hero and you and the rest of the team are working to um, knock out the mastermind, which, you know, could be, you know, uh, Dormammu or it could be Kingpin or it could be whoever. And what you're doing hey, given. is. Yeah, the good given. <laughs> I feel like Dormammu to Kingpin is a, a particularly difficult kind of. That's that's a wide chasm there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how varied the the villains are in this game. So part of the game is you're not only trying to take down the mastermind, but you are trying to prevent villains from escaping. So the mastermind has his deck and the villains will move through the city. So they come in through the sewer and then they come up through the streets and then they're moving into the city and then into, you know, and you're trying to keep them from getting out of the city and escaping because uh, depending on the scheme that you're playing really changes up the storyline. So there's one game where um, there's an attack on the mutants on graduation day. And so you have to uh, not only prevent the, the villains from escaping and prevent like six of them from escaping. You also have to save uh, bystanders and you also have to take out the mastermind and the mastermind has other things that happen. And so it takes a long time to, to knock the, uh, the, the, the villain out and win the game, but it can be done. And it is a lot of fun. And like I said, just depending on what your taste is, if you want to play Fantastic Four, which I think still is the hardest expansion to get. Uh, I know one one time for Rob's birthday, I went and tracked down a copy and it was a lot more expensive than that uh, than that Scrabble game, Matthew. And uh, those expansions are only supposed to be like 19 bucks or less. Uh, so, yeah, it's it can be really pricey depending on where you want to go. Baxter building. You wish. I mean, yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's really cool. Uh, there's a Deadpool edition. There's a Guardians of the Galaxy expansion. There's a Spider-Man expansion. There's a Hulk expansion. So there's so many different things that you can do with Legendary that it really is a game that I can just sit and play and play and play and play. Now, it is a cooperative game, but there's also an element of competition in this because each time that you... Um, take down villains, they're worth points, or they can be worth a certain amount of points. Rescuing bystanders are worth a certain amount of points. Each time you hit the mastermind is worth a certain amount of points. And even though you're all trying to win the game together, at the end of the game, whoever has scored the most points technically wins, even though I look at it as, hey, it's a group win. Oh, by the way, I just happen to have the most points. Um, This is a game that also has an app version of the game, which will make you a I think a master at the 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 card game version. Now the the app version is called Legendary DXP. They haven't I guess gotten the rights or they don't care about getting the Marvel rights to turn it into the electronic version although I think they 
sell a heck of a lot more copies if they did. So what they've done is they've created their own fantasy setting with this. Uh, and it works very, very well. Uh, the great NATO and I have played so many times uh, together on this game uh, during the game streams. Um, when I first started playing Legendary, I really didn't understand the mechanics of it, the, the card game. So while I think the first time I won by a fluke because I just won by stupid accident, um, other times I've not won the game. After playing the electronic version of the game and seeing how all the card combos work and then applying that to the board game, uh, it's, it is such an easy game to, to win once you understand that. And again, I, I don't think like Rob likes playing with me anymore because I just wiped the board the last time with him and a bunch of other guys down at the Gamers Guild. So it's, it's a fun game. It's my number one legendary, or if you want to get the app version of it, legendary DXP. All right, I think that's everybody, right? Have we done everything? everything? All right, dear listener. Well, no, wait, Matthew. There's one more thing we have to do. This is the part of the show where I tell the listeners, hey, listeners, head over to our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes. I've already talked about that multiple times. But go into the top five channel. There's a bunch of other people already hanging out there. And I want you to list your top five board games. Other people are going to list their top five board games. Everybody's going to talk about what they like and don't like about the mechanics of those games. And everybody's going to read your top five board games. Why? Because everybody loves a list. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.